Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my very good friend and Packer logo behind him tonight, Father Richard Heilman. Go Packers! Yeah! <laughs> you You're going to break into the song, Father? Yeah. All you need is love. Da, 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 da. All you need. <laughs> for those who don't know, that is the name of the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Our guest tonight, one of our favorites and one of the fans' favorite, of course, is Father Chad Ripperger. He is with us, and he's going to give us a rousing talk on what's going on with the rise of the demonic in our world. By the way, Father Ripperger, did you know that you still hold the record for the most views of all of our podcasts of over four years now? You still have the record of the most views. Yeah, well, it's but I always say to people that all you have to do is talk about the devil and everybody wants to pay attention. The minute you start talking about God, <laughs> not do. so much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that good point. Good point. Um, before we get started, of course, everything needs to begin with prayer. And Father Heilman, we always turn that over to you. Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Saint Michael, the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits. Who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. Thank you very much, Father. And as always, we want to thank everybody out there who supports the U.S. Grace Force podcast. We are incredibly thankful beyond measure at all the prayers and all the encouragement and support that we get. And for those of you who support us financially as well through the Patreon program, you can do that by clicking the link in the description below if you'd like to help us out with a few dollars a month. A few dollars a month goes a long way especially when we get a lot of people involved in something like that. And getting these messages out is important, especially right now. And as long as we have the, the resources, as long as we have the platform, as long as we have the power grid up and running, it's important to do all that we can to reach as many hearts and souls as possible, especially with messages like tonight. Also, don't forget to go out to the official U.S. Grace Force gear page and check out what we have there, T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies. It's just a great way to, number one, stay warm <laughs> with the hoodies, of course. And also get that message out to more people. And it helps support, again, the work that we do here. So we thank you for that. You can find the link in the description below. Father Heilman, I give it over to you, my friend. Yeah. Gosh, Father, thank you so much for being on. Uh, you're one of my most uh, trusted sources. And I, I just feel like you get to the heart of the matter. And, uh, and so that's really why we wanted to have you on, because... I think there's a lot of angst, I think it goes without saying, uh, among all of us, as to what's going on in the world right now, the confusion in the church too, but uh, what's going on in the world right now, and and I feel, and I'll, I'll, I'll get your take on this, but I feel like there was like an eruption of evil, especially, I mean, it's been going on, sure, but especially right around October of 2019, and what, what do I mean by that? Father Regis Scanlon, some people have heard me talk, talk about this before, but he uh, theorized that the 100 years of Satan lasted from uh, the Miracle of the Sun, October 13, 1917, and then if it ends 100 years, it would be October 13, 2018, but then he theorized that we had that year of mercy. So that was a like a year off. So now you push it to 101 years, and he even made the connection of Our Lady's uh, the statue of Our Lady that that uh, had 101 tears in Akita, uh, that uh, that now it's 101, which would make it October 13, 2019. And I'm making a long story short here, but 
it was right around that time that the the dots that I connected was that um, first of all there was a, a the appearance I mean whatever you want to call it of a pagan idol being worshipped in uh, the very seat of our church in in St Peter's Basilica the uh, the Vatican Gardens uh, on October 6, twenty nineteen uh, just a week before that date then on that same date uh, there was reports that cell phone activity went out from October 17th or October 7th to October 24th in the Wuhan lab in China, indicating that there was some uh, hazardous event that occurred on or about October 6th. Then we didn't find out, I think, till the middle of uh, beginning of uh, November, but we heard that Sister Agnes Sesagawa got another message. The first one since the message she received on October 13th, 1973, she gets one uh, that says, um, repent, oh no, put on ashes and pray a repentant rosary every day. That was all she said on October 6, 2019. And then what happened? It just, first of all, the turmoil in the church over this pagan idol, then uh, the, the the lockdowns and the masks and the, the vaccinations and and inciting domestic terrorism with the George Floyd riots, and then people were getting canceled all over the place, and and there was this intensification, basically, of fear, and it and it felt like this dictatorship had said, "This is our time." And I said, "It's a lot like October seventh, fifteen seventy one, the Battle of Lepanto, where the Turks said they're weak enough now." Okay that we can come in and deal the last blow. Well, I believe, and this is my take, and I want to hear what you have to say, Father, but my take is that uh, we were, we, Satan spent 100 years weakening us, I think mainly helping us just uh, abandon a sense of the supernatural uh, and, and weakened us enough that on that point, he came in with his dictators, all right, with his tyrants, and we see that throughout the Bible, especially the Psalms about this, you know, save us from our tyrannies. But anyways, uh, he came in, and this is what we've been suffering for the last four years since then. Then, and I'll conclude with this too, then there's uh, there's a bombing in the Holy Land on October 7th. I mean, it just, so it, it just seems like, the eruption of evil, the advance of the dictators is happening. So all that said, Father, is I I decided that we're at each other's throats. Um, we've been disconnected over these hundred years from the divine life, from being close to God, a sense of the supernatural, as I said. We got to get back. We got to get united again. And that's when I, I called for a prayer campaign that begins on February 5th, okay, and goes to, and I the reason I picked February 5th is because it's 54 days to Good Friday. And the title of it's called Unite at the Foot of the Cross. We need to unite with our Lord, get as close as we can. I always find it uh fascinating that the only ones that weren't martyred were the ones that stayed at the at the foot of the cross. The rest of them were all martyred. John the Beloved wasn't martyred. Uh Blessed Mother wasn't martyred. So, but anyway, we got to get unite. And, and that we're being accused, too, in this tyrannical dictatorship that's going on, especially in the last four years, 
is um, we're being accused of being fanatical and extreme and right wing or whatever they call us for what? For simply staying with our Lord at the foot of the cross. So you help me put this together and we're going to use this tool during that time. And uh, we're going to pray the rosary for 54 days, but I encourage people to uh, to get this. It's a piece uh, called Peace Through Strength Prayer Book, uh, Prayer Journal, I mean, and it, and it actually gives uh, the best basic protocol, morning offering, pray the rosary, stuff like that, but it also teaches us to stop and listen to our Lord. We had a reading just a few days ago uh, that was, um, uh, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Well, at the top of each page, when you pray each day, that's what it says. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. There's, there's an anointing in that. When we just stop, we, we're quiet, and we listen to the Lord. And then I'm going to end with this, Father, but uh, Our Lady calls to pray the rosary. Uh, and I, I absolutely believe in that, the power in the rosary. But what I want us to be careful of is that we don't use it like a check the box, that that it's just the rosary and then we go to Costco. No, it's teaching us to stop for that 15 to 20 minutes and to just rest in the arms of our Lord and in the uh, veil of the Blessed Mother and 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 learn to stop, right? I think that's the, as we do that kind of, I call a baby's cooing, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, mom, 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 mom. But but it's but but we have to learn to listen to our Lord. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening, because uh, with all this going on, the ones if you look back now in retrospect, the ones that were tuned in on everything that's going on and what the tyrants were up to were the people most connected to our Lord. And, and so, so what what I'd like to do, um, Father, is if, I'd love to get your because I'm you're like I think you are my most trusted source. Uh, you're among the top. But I'd love to get your take. What is Satan up to right now? What what's going on? Um, you know, with this seeming eruption of evil at this moment in time, or or is is that your take too? Does it does it feel like an eruption to you? But what's going on? Can you give our uh, take of what uh, Satan's up to? Yeah, I, I would agree in the sense that. Um... 2019 was kind of a pivotal year, right? I mean, it's when something things changed. Right. Um, and I think that as far as, uh, and October 6th, I think is a crucial, it's a kind of also maybe that's when the pivot actually began. But I, I, I also think that it's um, based on the, uh, there's a general principle that um, how much demons influence in our life is directly proportionate to our sin and the kinds of sins that we actually, we actually do. Now, obviously I've mentioned before that, no demon can do anything without God permitting it. And so he's on a leash. But on the other hand, God lets them afflict us um, when we become sinful precisely to chasten us. That is to get us, hey, you got to get your act together, right? And I think that's one of the reasons why Our Lady did appear actually um, there in Akita again, is to, again, to indi indicate you've got to start, you know, doing penance for this because otherwise is what's going to happen. And it's actually at Akita where she said, you know, if man isn't careful, the chastisement will come from his own hands, which means that God could allow the demons to actually drive the human agents in the world um, in order to cause the kinds of damage and the things that we're going to do. So with the more sinful we become, what's good, what's going to happen is two things are going to happen. The first is, is God is going to give a little bit more, uh, of the leash to the demons, and they're just going to cause 
um, they're going to be at, they're going to be more influential than they are. They're going to be acting upon the various leaders in the world and and causing these things, as you mentioned. So you're, we're going to see more tyrannical behavior, as you said. You're going to basically culture will begin to melt down because demons will simply have more influence because of our sin. The worst part about it is is that when the sin starts at the top of the church, or, and or you see these things that are going at the top of the church that that has an even greater impact because they are the locus of the primary spiritual authority in the world. And so when they do those kinds of things, they're even unleashing even more of these kinds of things happening. So there's always, and I'm sure you've, uh, I think we've mentioned this before, is that, you know, what we see in the world means there's a precursor in some way in the church. So I think we're basically seeing that Things are starting to melt down even more geopolitically, societally, um, even in just basic people's lives. Um, you're seeing that more and more happen precisely because of the types of sin and the sins that we're actually committing. So when I just see how bad the world is getting, for me, that's just an indicator, okay, that means the demons have more influence. It also means that uh, they know their time is now, so they've got to get it done as quickly as they possibly can, which we've mentioned before. Um, on on here that their time is short. And so, because God, once it starts to get to this point, he'll let us suffer this, but at a certain point, then he pulls the plug on the whole situation, and then he puts an end to the diabolic influence. But it he, it's it's primarily there to chasten us as human beings to get our, to make sure we get our act together. So I do think, I do think that the diabolic has, is gaining more and more power because things are becoming more and more evil. There's also, okay, so there's, that particular principle. There's also, I think, the fact that a lot of this stuff is just was hidden. I mean, the word occult means hidden. And I think a lot of this stuff was going on. You see a lot of these things that were actually being, or the things were being prepared behind the scenes. And now, now it's not so occult anymore. Things are kind of getting out in the open. We're seeing how this stuff is all starting to play itself out. And it also means that you will see um, civil authorities become more tyrannical. That's just the that's just the nature of how this stuff happens as the demons gave gain greater ascendancy. Father, when you talk about, I mean, that's a great way to end what you just said. There, we're going to see civil authorities becoming more tyrannical. I, I've kind of thrown this out in the past, and I would like your your thoughts on it. The demonic, these demons that that let's say tempted or infiltrated the hearts of people like. Um, Adolf Hitler, Stalin, uh, Mussolini, um, Genghis Khan. Let's go all the way back. Those yeah. those men may have died, but those demons are still around, and they're still doing their work. And there are people that may still cooperate with that. Is that a fair statement? Yes, it is. It's just who they happen to use at the particular time, and which individuals God allows to use at that particular time, because. Technically speaking, God is the Lord of history. He's the one that determines the flow of history, and he can determine that flow either in a positive sense by the giving of grace, which is something else that we're starting to see here in just a second, which I'll mention. But he, um, but so he determines it in a positive sense, but he can, he can also determine it by his permissive sense, in the sense that we... Uh, if we don't do our part, if we become very sinful, that he can start permitting certain things to happen in order so that the flow of history will go a certain direction in order for what's best for us ultimately in the end. It doesn't mean it's going to be pleasant in the process, but ultimately it's to um, to manifest his glory in human lives. So he can actually allow 
these particular kinds of individuals in our lives precisely so that it we build a virtue, we have to start fighting these things, etc. But as I mentioned, I, I think that, um, you know, when we see Adolf, people like Adolf Hitler, or even if we see certain things that we saw, even like in the First World War, and even just a little bit before that, it's clear to me that at least when I look at this thing, that there's been a retraction of God's grace, because grace enlightens the mind and strengthens the will. And so it helps people to do the morally right thing and the spiritually right thing and stay on the pa proper path that they're supposed to stay. Once God retracts his grace, as the Council of Trent says, no man can stay out of mortal sin for a short period of time. Human beings just immediately begin a decline. And that's exactly what we actually see. So Hitler, so Basically, we had a retraction of grace that ha happened in the 20s. We saw that with the Roaring Twenties and all the stuff that was going on during that time. Then, of course, there's the Depression. But then there was another retraction of grace. And I think Hitler was basically the one that was uh, that was an indicator that human beings were not leading good lives. I mean, Our, Our Lady said, if man at Fatima, if man doesn't get his act together, there'll be even a worse war. And that's exactly what ended up happening. So it's an indicator that... Um, God retracted his grace, and the reason he tracks his grace is because we're not being faithful to his grace. It means we're rejecting it, and we're committing sin, and we're doing the things we're not supposed to. Then we had another retraction of grace during the 40s and 50s. This is when all the pedophilia scandal and everything like that began in the church. That's when all the homosexuals got into the church, um, into the, the into the clergy. And this we know the reason we know that is because the document institutes a religious form of 1960, in which the Congregation for Religious sent out a a letter to all the heads of the religious orders said stop. But if you boil it down, there's three things they said: stop ordaining the homosexuals, the pedophiles, and the men who aren't chaste. If that's what they they started saying, so this was already a problem in the 40s and 50s. Then in the 60s, because people didn't do what they were, there was an even further retraction of grace. So what we're seeing is, is that God's grace is being retracted. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't make a veil of that. It also means that God's willing to give grace much more readily to those who are faithful, like like us, if we're if we're willing to do what we're supposed to do. And that's how we can actually fight our way through this whole process is by being very faithful to his grace. But it seems to me that each time he retracts his grace, you also see that's when the demons kind of get their foot in the door and then that's when they start doing even worse things. Mm -hmm. So it seems to me that we're living in a period where there's been a retraction of grace. And then uh, at the same time, because of what uh, men were doing, God allowed, uh, because of the sinfulness of man, we haven't gotten our act together, God has allowed evil people to start being having much more influence. And also, it, it just seems to me when you listen to them talk and you see them behave, they're pretty open about their evil anymore. They try and might couch it in the good to some degree, but they're pretty open about what they want yeah. to do now. Yeah, they're right out in the open. It, it's it, They don't care. It, it, you almost hope that that is to their demise then, that, that uh, now they're not hiding it anymore and that hopefully there's a awakening but Father, and I'd like to give your take on this, and that's a great review of what's going on. And I would go to the, now to the '70s because you you uh, you stopped there in the '60s, but um, you know 1973, and again, that's when Our Lady appeared uh, to Sister Agassiz Sagawa on October 13, 1973, and talked about well, people can look it up, but the big one that's that's always striking is Cardinal against Cardinal, Bishop against Bishop. During that right. time, and what, what's going on right at this moment? Uh, That's is, right. Yeah, it is incredible. But it was also um, that was the um, uh, Supreme Court say, sanctioning killing babies, right? Right, right. at that time. 
Um, but uh, it was also, I think it was like the next year, uh, it's, it's on or about a year, either give or take from 73, that that's when Paul VI said, I fear that from a crack, and I don't have the exact quote in front of me, the smoke of Satan has entered in. And right. I connect that to because, and, and here's a little story of personally that happened to me. Uh, I graduated grade school in 1972. I entered Catholic high school in fall of 1972. And when I got there, nuns in full habits, the priest was everywhere. And we had mass very frequently, a religious uh, imagery all over. Father, from 1973 to 1974, all that was gone. The, yeah. the nuns, uh, many have left the order. Their habits went like this. The, the priest was MIA. We had mass maybe once a semester. The religious imagery was removed, I think, because they wanted to be more open to people, other uh, others than the Catholics to have more. I don't know. But, but it also, Father, and this is my take again, is that's when the infiltration of the new way of doing the mass really began to ramp up right about that time, 1973, where people who counted themselves as experts or authority, again, that's what's going on in our time right now, we're, we're bowing to the so-called experts, and that's what we did back then, who said, well, it's not in the Vatican documents, but it's the spirit of the documents. And they did this, 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 to what? To lead us, and I don't know if that was their intention, I kind of believe it wasn't, but to lead us to this moment where, where is the belief in the supernatural power of God any longer? Where is it? It's so few that have that right. actual belief in the supernatural power of God. I just watched Bishop Strickland on the Glenn Beck show, and Glenn Beck was talking about this. Where is our sense of the supernatural anymore? You know, And it was in the context of Bishop uh, Strickland not um, instituting traditionis custodis in his diocese, but, but the power of the Eucharist. And I contend, too, I love the traditional at Mass, but you can make a Novus Order, and I was doing it in my last parish, you could make a novice order, help people to just open wide and say yes to the supernatural power of God. But we're not doing that right now. And I, I just feel like that's one of Satan's nuclear bombs that he's used in this hundred years that he's weakened us, is to get us to stop believing the supernatural power of God. Can you have your take on that, Father? Well, yeah, I think that that's... Um... Yeah, I think that's actually true. For me, it, it tends to be a bit more uh, encompassing in that, in the sense that I think there's a, just a general collapse of faith in general. It, St. Thomas has a very interesting observation. He says, when a person commits a single heresy, it corrupts the virtue of faith, which is an intellect, and is an intellect, which gives him the ability to see the truth of those things which are proposed uh, in um, in Revelation. So we see, so by the supernatural virtue of faith, which God infused in our intellect, we're able to see that what is um, what is proposed through Revelation is actually true. So we actually believe in the uh, teachings of the Church. Well, what's happened is is that, but he says something very. This is the interesting part. He says. 
a single heresy corrupts the virtue of faith. Then the subsequent question is, well, what about the people who they no longer have this supernatural faith, but they actually believe certain things, like they still might believe that Christ is God, or they might believe certain things about the church, but they don't, they may not accept, you know, that, um, you know, that the Pope is infallible or something like that. So they'll, he says, what about people like that? And he says, what they have left is opinion. That is exactly what I think we're seeing now. What we're seeing now is the fact, and this is why you see so much infighting, especially online, because you can just sit and watch the threads. This person doesn't believe this, but they believe this. This person believes this, and they don't believe that, because it's all been reduced to opinion at this stage. Now, part of that is just a modernist heresy, because it just reduces everybody to a Catholic period, Catholic. But I think it ultimately boils down to there's been a complete loss of faith Generally, I mean, the fact that a large percentage of the Catholic population and even clergy don't even believe in the real presence is a significant problem. And so I think and that's an indicator that they don't have the supernatural faith. And I think that's what we're seeing among certain people in the church, certain prelates. They don't, they're not demonstrating a supernatural Catholic faith. And then as a result of that, they don't believe in the power of God. And as and also a part and parcel of that, this is a conference which I'm just going to I'm going to be giving here this next month. Um, which will be posted in about two months, is on fear of the Lord. People don't have any fear of the Lord. They just right. do whatever they please, and they have no concern about whether this thing offends God or not. And this is another thing that we're seeing, but it ultimately boils down to, and I agree with you, I think it really boils down to a supernatural faith. They don't they don't believe in. Father, just break that down a little bit then. Fear of the Lord for the audience, for all of us. What, what do you Can mean I by that? I want to give you just a little bit too, because I've written extensively on that exact thing and it's just uh, uh, Pope Gregory the Great ordered the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and he put fear of the Lord first. In, in other words, to me, and again, taking from that, it's a breakthrough to a belief in the supernatural power of God. And fear, again, the kind we're, we're facing right now, that's not what's really meant by fear of the Lord. And, and again, I'd like your take on this, Father, but it's meant, I'm afraid of ever offending you because you're so awesome and I love you so much. What's, right. so what's your take on it, Father? Yeah, that's actually that's actually one of the definitions that you actually see. It's a reverential fear of offending God, right? Yeah. So that's actually one of the definitions. Um, that is actually one of the effects um, or part of um, Saint Thomas's definition is that it's actually the fear of the Lord is the in is the gift of the Holy Spirit by which we turn away from created things and turn towards God. Right? Oh, nice. So it's it's actually a turning away from the world and turning towards God. This is one of the reasons why I mentioned recently, and it'll be out here shortly in one of the uh, conferences I'm doing. But, you know, they kept talking at, at Vatican II about embracing the modern world. We have to embrace the modern world. We have to embrace... Look, all you have to do is drop one word, and it actually tells us what's going on spiritually, the word modern. They wanted to embrace the world. And yep. that's what we ended up with, where the church has become more concerned about human respect you know, bishops are more worried about offending people or what this is going to say. They don't want to offend people. They don't want to say something that could be misconstrued or this or that, rather than just saying the truth clearly and authentically. And again, that's because there's no fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is, I don't care about what human beings say. My obligation before Jesus Christ is to preach the gospel, you know, and preach it entirely. Not And, and obviously, with a gentleness and compassion and all that, but it just, it means that my job is to do it this way. But I think that that's one of the reasons why, too, is people are even conforming their religious beliefs 
around what they think and what they want in the world, right? So they they say, well, I don't think God would, you know, damn a soul, or I don't think that hell is going to be permanent, or I don't think it's, well, that's because you're thinking of it in worldly terms rather than, you know, turning away from the world and turning towards God. So I think that that's, um, that turning away from the world means, and the reason it's the beginning of wisdom is because wisdom is the um, gift of the Holy Spirit in which God infuses in our intellect a promptness to see him as he sees himself, not as we see him, but as he sees himself. And then also the uh, also the world in relationship to him as he sees it. Well, you can't see the world or God as he sees himself until you first have uh, stopped looking at the, uh, focusing on the world. You got to look at him and then you'll see him. Right. But if you keep looking at the world, you're going to impose what you think about God based upon what you see in the world. And I think that's why we've just become very worldly in the end. And there's, as I mentioned, there's no fear of the Lord in that, all that. And people have no difficulty just grossly offending their neighbor, grossly offending God, saying the most, um, you know, evil and wicked things about other people online and things like that. There's just no fear of the Lord. Yeah. I mean, we reduce God to like a good luck charm. We kind of keep God yeah. handy over there. I always say like, in that uh, glass box with a hammer underneath, in case of emergency, break glass. And again, there's there's no sense of him being right there with us, his eyeball fixed on us, so that every word we speak, every motion we make, every decision we take, is, is, is this going to please you? Because I know your eyeball is right. on me right now. We don't have that sense of his presence. And again, that's why I felt we, we need to get back united to christ at the foot of the cross united with each other L listen i i believe the way out uh to this tyrannical dictatorship that is looking to move in and take over that we, we've just been uh brutalized especially in the last four years uh is for us i've always wanted uh father i always said we need a revival in that land but i've always qualified that we need a supernatural revival in the land a return to a sense of the supernatural again, and you can't you can't believe in the supernatural without believing God is right here, right? Like United right. at the foot of the cross, He's right here. So you know, I, I, and and I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for you again. And 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 I, I was listening to you too, and I was, I was thank you for saying it. But but the closer you get to God, and I'm paraphrasing what you say, the more you see as God sees, right? That's right. Yeah, that's and right. That's why. As we've gone through all this, I know I said it before, but I'm just going to repeat that uh, that the ones who were close to God, knew his eyeballs there, worked at being very centered on God and, and, and in his presence at all times, they knew right away what these tyrants were up to. They were the ones that were tuned in, right? They were the ones right. tuned in. And everybody's kind of catching up now. But I think, and this is bother. This is why, too, I felt just compelled. Let's work at, and, and um, you're the leading expert in that. I'm trying to make myself an expert. But let's work at how do you make that divine connection? How do you, Father? What's, what's your belief on that? How do people get well-connected to God so that they can see as God sees and, and want to have that fear of the Lord? How do they get there? <laughs> uh that's a whole conference, Father. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm going. Yeah. yeah. 
but I think it I think that there's two things that, that just kind of come to mind. There's two things primarily. We have to have absolute fidelity to grace. Because as yeah. I mentioned, grace enlightens the mind and strengthens the will. And our minds are not going to be enlightened. We're not going to make that turn until we see the truth of these things. And that's going to have to come through grace. But that means we have to be faithful to the grace. The second thing, and this is something which is just kind of one of my, just an observation, kind of standing outside, just watching people, is that we're not going to make that turn until we accept a one fundamental reality. And that is our relationship with God is on his terms, not ours. Right. He's the one who created us. He's the one who keeps us in being. He's the one who gives us every good thing. He's the one who gives us the grace in order to even remain faithful to him. He's the one who gives us literally everything. And that means we've got nothing right. other than our acceptance of those things that he gives to us, which is basically that fidelity to grace. So it's not until we realize that we don't get to determine how we relate to God. We don't get to determine what we think about God. God has to come and tell us, which we call revelation. We have an obligation to worship him the way he determined. That's what the Catholic Church's sacraments are. And so this is one of these things. And so until people accept that their relationship with God is on his terms and not ours, which the chastisement's going to do, frankly, it's going to make us realize, okay, you know, this is the way that this is the way this thing works. But then also that fidelity to grace. Without those two things, I just don't see the change happening. Father, when you refer to right, I'm just I'm thinking from the perspective of an audience member here that when the chastisement happens right away, some are thinking, "I'm sorry, what was that? What chastisement? And what are we talking about? And when? When? How? Where? Do you have any insight on that?" Well, yeah, I mean, Our Lady's been predicting that there's going to be a chastisement of human beings. And chastisement, its primary function is to correct. It's painful. That's what it's It's going to be brutal. But the chastisement has been talked about Our Lady several times throughout the course of her appearances since the time of La Salette on. And so, um, and even at Akita, and this is, I think, what we're trying to see a little bit with get back to Father Heilman's observation about the tyrannical side of things. Our lady said, our lady said at um at Akita, if man isn't careful, the chastisement will come from his own hands. And this is an indicator that we may end up, the chastisement may be in large part the result of human beings inflicting pain and, and suffering on other human beings. And this is something that in a variety of different ways that, that could actually happen. And so that's the chastisement is something that she's been predicting. It's a, a period in which there is great suffering, but it's a purification process so that when we come out the other end, human beings are where they need to be. It's going to be brutal and et cetera, but at least we'll be where we need to be. It's like God is a good father. He's going to be like any good father. And there are times when you have to spank your kid because it's best for him. Right. right? I, know, I know there's people out there, oh, I would never spank my kid. Yeah, that's why your kid is 10 years old and you can't control him, right? It's one of those mm. kind of things. Right. This is exactly what we're seeing now. God hasn't spanked us yet, and that's why people are getting out of control. But that doesn't mean he's not going to eventually. But anyway, the point being is that the chastisement is ultimately for our purification and for our betterment. And um, I think it's coming. I think it's coming. I don't know when that's going to happen. But um, but Our Lady has talked about it, and so if she's talked about it, well, then it's likely to happen. And we haven't done the things that we could have done to avert the chastisement, and we haven't been doing those things, and so it's coming. And I think, um, as Father Heilman was pointing out, how things, there seems to be a pivot, and things seem to be getting significantly worse. 
this is an indicator that God is setting us up for it, right? It's He's allowing the circumstances and, and the things in the world to, to make that turn to where um, we're going to be punished, if not from a, if not from Him, from our own hands. I think oh, one cool. of the ways back, Father, too, is is to restore the Holy Eucharist. I mean, we're right now in a Eucharistic revival, and I, I don't want to get sarcastic, but I just haven't seen much. I mean, do more adoration. That's great. I love it. But I haven't right. seen a lot of moves in restoring a sense of reverence and sacredness at the Mass. Um, and one of the things I've noticed in my priesthood, too, is, and to me, this is an indicator of how much Satan wants us to never go there of more reverence at the Mass, is every time a priest tries that in a parish, mm. oh my goodness, it's like yeah. he raped 43 children. I mean, the pushback is demonic. And yeah, so they're, they're afraid to do it uh, because, and and it doesn't make sense. Wait a minute, we're, what's my crime here, the priest could say, that I want to offer with more reverence? I mean, wh wh why is it this intent that you're, looking to destroy my reputation you're completely destroying the parish and and dividing it and it, it's just so intense father can you speak to that why what is that way because yeah, I, mean, so I think some of, I think I think there's two parts of it one is that one of the one of the professors that actually taught um a course that I took on modernism his uh, name was Monsignor Eugene Kavan. I don't know if you know much about him but he was the guy behind the scenes fighting Curran at Catholic University in the 60s over the whole contraception issue. Mm -hmm. So he was the primary, uh, um, you know, protagonist in that particular set of situations. But anyway, he he made the observation, and it's true, it's something I've watched over and over again, and I'm sure, Father, you've actually seen this. But one of the signs of modernism is it is a, a hatred for the sacred. You mm -hmm. can see this. One of the signs of the modernists is they were literally taking statues out and sledgehammering them or sledgehammering altars or doing all this other stuff. This was a sign of their hatred for it. Well, the problem is, is that now that modernism has become the default position in which most Catholics hold, then they have a kind of a visceral distaste for um, things that are actually sacred. And the reason you have a distaste for it is because sacred things are arduous. They require discipline, self-denial, sometimes even um, penance on our part in order to do it right. And it's, so it's difficult and people just don't want to do that. And I think the demons just use that to make hay and use that to drive the rebellion, basically, in people. Yeah. And real quick, Doug, before you, you go, but the thing I've noticed of late is this whole uh, narrative of we want to unify at one way of doing the Mass. And, and the way is the modern way, the way yeah. of less reverence, the way of less sacred. And, and we don't want to be divisive by adding more reverence, by offering right. it more sacred. Do you mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? It's just, uh, um, and, and that's the, that's the, the, the um, current narrative that they're using. Unity is what we need. We need unity. So um do you have a comment about that is that what well, the whole irony of it is I, I, at least for me i see several ironies in that there was a unity before yes. they made all the changes i know i know <laughs> the, the second part of it is is the very when they when they want to say they want to have unity in the liturgy well the problem is is that if you're going to unify behind the 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 modern changes 
you're unifying behind something which de facto can be done a kajillion different ways because of all right. the options and everything that are going on. And so you can every single mass you go to is said differently by every single priest. This is, right. by the way, this is precisely the problem that they had before the Council of Trenton. This is one of the reasons they called for a clearing out of the deck of all the rituals that couldn't didn't couldn't show apostolicity. Right. So the point the point being is is that it, I find that's just so ironic that they want to unify against uh, unify in something that by its very nature isn't a unification. Right. And I think this is the difficulty that we're actually seeing. Whereas when a guy wants to be more reverent, they don't even want that. So I just uh, and I think getting back to the Eucharistic revival, I think that. Without a major catechesis of the faithful and of the priests by the bishops saying, this is what the church holds on this. This is what we believe that Christ is truly and substantially present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist under the species or appearance of bread and wine until they actually, and this is what the church has always held, until they really do the catechesis on that. I just don't see much of a change happening. I just believe that if you're doing it reverently, someone off the street without catechesis can get it because it's oh, just yeah. oh my goodness that's god you know when it's done that the way that from the council of trent yeah, yeah they, they know you're serious too right they right. know that that's it that, this word hey, serious. This, these people are serious about what they're doing i'm going to take a that's look and see Glenn what's use that word a lot where's the seriousness anymore yeah yeah father i'm curious yeah. your thoughts oh good father good no i was going to say you had a question yeah, I was going to ask you about the, the term diabolical disorientation. I believe it was Lucia, if I'm not mistaken, who said that we would enter an age of diabolical disorientation. Does that, does that ring out to you? Is that Have you heard of that? Yeah, that's and What true. do you think about that? Because with everything going on, everything we're all talking about here, and it just seems like the, the disorientation of the way we think, opinions, um, the failure of catechesis and so forth, relativism in general, modernism, all of this just seems like we are just so off- our base to understand. I mean, our equilibrium is thrown all over the place. What do you think about that? The, the term diabolical disorientation? Yeah, I think it's absolutely true. If you actually look at what the, well, first let's just talk about what diabolic orientation actually is. The orientation is to sin, to disorder. And that sin is specific to the particular demon and, and individual. So it's always about the self. So the two principal things that you're going to see when there's diabolic disorientation is a complete breakdown of the moral code and people holding that this sin is okay and that this sin is fine because I happen to like it because that's just my proclivities. And it all becomes ultimately about this. So you see a, a drastic increase in selfishness, narcissism, et cetera, which we're seeing. Um, and then, uh, and I'll, I'll give you an example of that here in just a minute, but you see a drastic increase in selfishness, but then also that sin is no longer that sin is actually seen as a good now. So this is that's the diabolical disorientation. You can't turn on TV without. I mean, it's just a given today. It's just a complete given that contraception is a good thing by virtually everybody that's on TV, mm. and it, there's no sense of that it's actually you know that it's actually a grave evil against the natural law. There's no sense of that. Even and so you see that they, in the public sphere and in the uh, just in in public in general, sin is lauded and virtue is frowned upon. Right or anybody who say like just just if you just mention the word chastity. To people, the scoffing is immediate, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is something that you're actually um, that you that you actually tend to see. But I'll give you an example of how people have an exaggerated sense of self. You know, for instance, 
you'll he see people hold up a sign that says, I stand with X, right? Someone needs to explain to these people, you have no standing. The fact that you stand with this person is meaningless because you're not a position, you're not in a position of influence. You're not a position of somebody who actually who's studied and actually whose opinion actually has any bearing or meaning or any importance. You don't you just go down the whole litany of it. But this whole thing of I stand with it, well, who are you? Right? Is the question that you need to ask these people when in point in fact. If they had any humility whatsoever, which is another one of those virtues that's scoffed at, but if you have any humility whatsoever, you would just realize, you know, the vast majority of people out there could care less about what I think, <laughs> but they don't. They, Because of this exaggerated sense of importance, they think that what they think is really important. And it's actually, <laughs> I hate to say this, it's just not that important. But that this diabolic disorientation is primarily uh, that, that it is the direction and heading everything towards sin and error and that's what we're seeing it's the mm -hmm. sin in the air is so uh penchant it's so um prolific in the culture in the church uh, across the board and that's what the disorientation is at least from what i can see isn't it well, a bounce back to our original sin i mean there's that oh, snake yeah. from the tree you will become gods and you will decide what's right and what's wrong see, see what i'm saying there that's and, right. And he played to, to Eve's selfishness. He doesn't yeah. want you to have the knowledge of good and evil, is what he basically told her. Yeah. And so as a result, he's pandering to her selfishness yeah. or her, her inclination to you be selfish. Woke. You could have said you would become woke, you know, to yeah, put in the context exactly. of right now, right? We know better yeah. than God, right? Yeah. We know better yes. than God is what we're saying right now. And And you're right, Father, and I totally agree with you. That once, if we're not connected to God, right? And I and I believe that that fear of the Lord brings us heading headlong into that connection. All right, or connect, or maybe it makes a connection at that point. But once we're disconnected from God, then we're outside the Garden of Eden. Okay, right. Making up our own rules, making up our own new normals, uh, making ourselves experts. You know, right. woke, looking down their nose and telling everybody, okay, pa they patch on the head and stand over there, you extremist fanatical. We've got this. This is the new way of thinking. Right, Father? Yeah, and even even our Lord said it, you know, that, that at a certain point they'll be putting you to death thinking they're doing the will of God. People's right. thinking has turned so much around, right. the opposite of reality that they and um, how we are to understand God and the things that pertain to God, that they literally think they're doing a good thing by trying to put people to death. And I think that this is um, also in the context of um, uh, part of the other diabolic disorientation is people who are disoriented are confused. Right. The intellectual and spiritual blindness of the average person on the street is extraordinarily profound right now people's inability to actually process spiritual content or philosophical reasoning, just a reasoning process is lost on people. And um, even there's a document just recently was proposed from the Vatican where the, it didn't even hold up to basic elementary logical uh, rules. And so this is the type of thing that we're actually seeing. So the the uh, one quick thing I should probably mention here then is so based on what you said about I stand with not being maybe such a good thing should I should I cancel the T-shirt order I stand with Father Ripperger 
I had like four. Yes, you should. Because, oh, because right. I want uh, that t-shirt. This is something that people don't seem to grasp either. <laughs> what I think is meaningless. <laughs> I always tell people the only thing that has any value of anything I say is what has come from what well, all I'm doing is telling you what the tradition has always said. Right. That's when it has. And it's not because of me. It's because of the tradition that has the value of what people should be believing. So don't listen to me. Go to the tradition. Okay. All right. Although I you can stand... send me one of those pictures if you want, because I'm Father Ripperter and I can legitimately say I stand with myself. <laughs> It'll work for you. That's true. Okay. Uh, but okay. So back to the diabolical disorientation. Uh, actually, no. Let me let me move to this. In Father Howman, you and I were talking about this earlier today. The idea that you know we were told we're told by the Blessed Mother Fatima and many other places to pray the Rosary, and she really wants us to pray it daily. So. It, 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 sometimes I think we can fall into, and I've done this, you fall into the, okay, I've checked that box, I've done that. You know, I get the confession, I get the mass, I, I get that prayer life in. But then I just, as Father Hyman likes to say, I just want to go golfing and shopping. I just want to run a Costco and get my thing done. I just want to say, well, God's in charge. God's in control. And and just, there's really not much I can do anyway. And I'm wondering if, Father Ripperger, you've got a response to this, this idea that we can just kind of check a box and be done. Or do you feel like there's something more that we should be looking at? Father Halman and I kind of address the idea of being so in tune with God that, you know, I like that when he pulls the reins of the horse to the right, we go. Left right. to the left, we meek. go. Right. Yeah. Meek enough to be able to really be yeah. humble enough and pay attention and listen and not just kind of check our boxes, even though there are boxes that the Blessed Mother has asked us to do, for example, with the rosary or the scapular and miraculous metal. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think that, I mean, if I may extrapolate a little bit of something, it seems to me that what Father Heilman is implying is that um, you don't cease your recollection, right? You keep track of the fact that God is still present to you the whole time. And just because you've done your prayers doesn't mean you compartmentalize it and now you're done and then you don't have to think about God and you can just do something else. Even if you're golfing, even if you're shopping, even this, you have to try and get to the point where you're always thinking about him, always keeping him present to you, etc. Because... The reason we have to do that is, A, we need to it as human beings just to keep ourselves um, focused on what's important. But also, that's what heaven is. Heaven is a nonstop mystical, mm -hmm. or it's a nonstop contemplation of the divine essence. Well, as you start gaining that recollection by always keeping God with you, okay, so I finished the rosary. Now, God, let's go. I'm going to, I got to do some shopping, but be with me present. And you think about him during the course of that time, at regular intervals throughout the course of the day. It's that recollection that the entire spiritual tradition was recommending. And people don't do that. I think one of the things that is most deleterious of that recollection is all the media that we have, especially the phone. Yes. This thing is constantly interrupts, constantly a distraction. Um, and so I think that um, if people are going to do that recollection, so yeah, you say your rosary, which is a key thing. Our lady has wanted this and we should try to please her in doing that. And obviously she's giving it to us as an antidote to uh, particular problems that we have. But then when we finish, you, it doesn't mean you leave our lady and our Lord there. You take them with you to recollection. Yeah, because God wants to use us, okay? Uh, a, a lot of times people say, you know, God's got this, or the you know, the church, um, what do they say, the church? Um, oh, gates of hell will not prevail. Or Yes. We know who you. wins in the end. The gates of hell will not prevail. Yeah. And then they go to Costco. You know, and, and but no, I think that the recollection you're talking about, Father, keeping in presence, 
opening the ear of our yeah. heart to listen is the way that God goes here. Why don't you go do this over here? And here, I've got a mission for you here. And we got to get our marching orders from God. And we got to tune into God because, yes, prayer is important. But one of the primary reasons for it is to be well-connected, tuned in, so that we know, okay, God wants me to do this right now. Right, Father? Yeah, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Is it speak, Lord, your servant is listening? And again, you know, I, I put my eggs in this basket. In all my seminary training, I got uh, almost an STL. I got an STB, but in spiritual formation, and then all my priesthood, I did it too. So I tried to make myself an expert, but I'm not uh, fit to untie your sandals, Father. So uh, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, the, you're the better expert than me. But you helped me put this together. And again, this this breaks it all down, makes it real easy for people to make them best predisposed to receive that first Holy Spirit gift of fear of the Lord, to get well connected to God. And again, please join us. Um, we'll put the uh, the connection where you can get this uh, in the comments. But uh, please join us February 5th to Good Friday uh, for Unite at the Foot of the Cross, a prayer campaign that, yes, calls out to our Lord and Our Lady, with her powerful intercession, but also helps us to become as close to the Lord as we possibly can. So thank you again for helping me put this together. I really uh, lean oh, on yeah, you're welcome. It's, it's, a, sure. it's a great, it's a great tangible thing yeah. to keep people recollected. Yeah. That's nice looking too, isn't it? It is. It's, the back actually uh, mimics uh, what uh, soldiers carry in their pocket. They had a, uh, my military missile had that rosary on the back of the book. Mm. But anyway, so, yeah, please, please join us uh, for fifty. Uh, we have like eighty thousand on our prayer campaign list. Uh, please join us if you're if you're not on it yet. You go to usgraceforce.com, by the way, to to uh, join up and and be a part of all that. So please, please, please plan to join us. So I should probably also make, throw this out, Father, that we're we're not saying that you shouldn't go golfing or shopping. Oh, no, have fun! Oh no, Costco. no, not at all. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah we keep life. throwing that out, but they, we're just trying to make a point. With someone out there is going to send us a comment and say, "What's wrong with Costco? You know, why can't I go golfing?" No, but I think Father Father Rivera, what you said, Costco because I like it. You know, yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. I think you nailed it on the head. Is it just to have be that that presence with God constantly to try to make that the the constant in our life? That seems yeah, to sum right. it up, doesn't it? Right. So, yeah. Father, to close out, could you just tell us um, uh, some words of hope? Going forward, I know you know this chastisement feels imminent, uh, but you know what? What are some words of hope you can leave us with? Well, I think the primary thing that I've been focusing on, especially in my own spiritual life, and it has to do with um, you know as things continue to get worse, as thing as the moral and spiritual situation in the world and the church continues to degrade. I mean, obviously, our hope is in is in is in the name of the Lord. So we know that God is going to. It, it's true that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It doesn't mean we don't do our part, and all those things are actually true. And those can be a recognition that you know it doesn't matter how bad things are going to get in the church. The church is never going to be destroyed or overcome. Ultimately, it doesn't mean you can't have a lot of bad characters putting out a lot of bad stuff. It just means that th that's it. But I think that it goes back to the observation I made that. You know, even when God retracts his grace, he still wants to give 
grace. And Our Lady, who's the mediator of grace, still wants to give it. And so now is a time of phenomenal opportunity for us because those of us who are faithful, um, if we continue to be more faithful to the graces that he gives us, in other words, he's good, God will keep continue giving us more graces, then he may have given out in normal circumstances. And so the worse things get, the more graces that are going to be available to us. And we just have to be very, very faithful to those graces. And so that as we become more faithful to those graces, then it's the words from St. Paul, I go from grace to grace, right? So it's just going to, our lives will actually become much holier during these times of trial, during these periods where things are really bad externally, precisely because it's through those graces we will see how evil they are, and then we'll see the necessity of clinging to God completely. And so I think that this is a phenomenal time to receive levels of grace that you know, and in fact, they even talk about that, They're, that some of the saints talk about that in the end times, I'm not saying we're necessary right at the end, but they said in the end times, there was kind of an envy to those people because they said that the graces that they were going to get, the ability to become holy and all those things, they, there was an opportunity that they weren't going to get. And so there was a recognition that God was going to give them, this, you know, they would become some of the greatest saints. Well, we can become some of the greatest saints if we're willing to be perfectly faithful to his grace. Nice. Yeah. Father, just to close, um, I, I just remembered, it, and I have one right here, but this is, uh, you were at my parish last oh, yeah. Vigil of the Epiphany, and I put out like, I think it was 12 five-gallon jugs for you to do the uh, Epiphany Holy Water Blessing, and now we found out this year, at least I know in my diocese and others, they weren't allowing it because of uh, Tradiciones Custodes, uh, right. and uh, so I have... Um, a number of these, and my nephew who um, gets my rosary and and the journal, all that at Roman Catholic here is we're, we we want to get these out to people. So every once in a while, they're going to give away a few hundred of these. So try to get as many hands as mm. possible. But thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. This is pure gold right now, and I'm really oh, yeah. appreciate it. And and the miracles. It's kind of like, it's kind of like bootlegged holy water. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, Father, could you end us with a with a prayer? Sure. Uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for us sin. sinners, now and at the hour yeah, of our death. death. Mother of divine grace, pray for us. Benedicto de omnipotentis, Patris et Fili, et Spiritus Sanctus, Supervos, et Manet Semper. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.